sitting up for people loud Bible stuff and thunder, a stuff and a shouting and a mission of fear that no one will want to me. And on this paper, you will be made part of this happy and loving bound congregation as you listen to the message. You will never be the same again. Happy listening and God bless you.
ready gospel for each person that you meet. There are people waiting now for you and me to come. Let a little happiness just shine across your face. We can make this world a better place. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to come together to worship you today. We ask in love that as we come to the reading and the study of your word, you speak to every heart directly in Jesus' name. We pray that any word of partition between us and your word, between us and your spirit, you break it down in Jesus' name. Your love, send your word to every heart. And let the word work effectually in every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or being glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Then in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. As you look at that verse 5, it's calling us to be like Christ, 
And it says, let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And then he goes on in the following verses to tell us what he actually means. Actually, a songwriter captured everything that we are talking about today. And the chorus says, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask, to be like Jesus all through life's journey, from earth to glory, all I ask, to be like Jesus. I'm speaking to you today on the mandate to be like Jesus. The mandate to be like Jesus. As you know, Christ, the Lord Jesus, is our Savior. And he's the only begotten Son of the Father. He is our Savior as well as our perfect example. He saved us so that he can make us sons and daughters of God. And to make us live like him. The life that pleases God, or the life that will please God, must be a reflection of the life of Christ. And as you have seen, the word of God commands us that we need to be like Christ. But you need to know that this will not be possible until we are saved, cleansed from sin, and then we receive the abundance of the grace of God in our lives to live like he wants us to live. It's when we come to the Lord, he imparts his righteousness unto us. And then as we follow him day by day, he reproduces his life in us. That abundant grace is adequate, sufficient to support everyone, enable everyone, help everyone to maintain victory over sin, over self, over vain glory, over carnality, and over the traits of the Antichrist. We're looking at the message under three subheadings. Number one, the beginning of the life of our life in Christ. The beginning of our life in Christ. Number two, bearing the cross with Christ. Bearing the cross with Christ. And then number three, the beauty of Christ-likeness. The beauty of Christ-likeness. As we talk about being like Christ, you need to know what the Bible says about man in general. The Bible says that we were born in sin. In sin did my mother conceive me, and in iniquity was I born. So said David, but it was not only the experience of David, it was the experience of people before him, people at his time, and people after his time. As Psalm 51 verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. If that is so, it will be naturally impossible for any man, any woman, anywhere, anytime, any generation to live like Christ has lived. Because he lived without sin. He lived in righteousness. And the natural depravity and carnality within every human being, in every generation, it will be impossible to live like he wants us to live. Actually, Paul the Apostle, in capturing the life before Christ, before the cross, before the, the conversion experience, he tells us in Romans chapter 7. And here is what he tells us in verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. Obviously, a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, in that condition, he wants to do good, he cannot do it. He wants to go to the right, but there is a pull greater than his own mind and will and strength that pulls him to the left. He cannot live like Christ. 
what he wants to do, he cannot do. What he doesn't want to do, that's what he does regularly, habitually, every time. Something then must take place before we can begin this life in Christ. And the Bible tells us very clearly in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to see that beauty of the righteous life, the beauty of Christ-likeness in your life, it has a starting point. And then from that starting point, you can continue. It says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. That's the very beginning of the Christian life. That is when you hear the word of God. The word of God that you hear, number one, it will bring conviction upon you. Number two, it will also convince you that uh, you have not been living right. It's that that will lead you to conversion. Number one, you are convicted. Number two, you are convinced. And then as you go to the Lord in prayer, and you repent and lay everything upon the altar, and the grace of God comes into your life and heart, you are converted. What do you hear that convinces you? What do you hear that brings conviction upon your heart? All I've seen are come short of the glory of God. And you look at your life, you say, that is true. I have seen. And then the Bible says, by the deeds of the Lord, no man shall be justified. Then you find out in your own life, you've tried the best you could. And there was no way you could live like the Lord wanted you to live. And you have always been crying, oh wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? It's then the revelation of Christ comes to you. It's turned another door. And it's coming with love. It's coming with pardon. It's coming with forgiveness and salvation and grace. It's coming with enabling power to make you do what you are not able to do. For what we could not do in ourselves, Christ coming in by the spirit of life. He has cancelled and destroyed the spirit and the law of sin and death in our lives. It means you repent. That's the right about time. You, you are facing the wrong direction before. You turn and you go to the right direction. And then you begin to confess everything that you have done to be wrong. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the prayer you pray. Say, no God, forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I want the grace of God in my life. Remember, we're talking about the beginning of this life in Christ. And then, because he says, yes, I want to save you. Yes, I want to redeem you. Yes, I want to forgive you. Yes, I want to turn you around. Then you open up the door of your heart and you receive him. As many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Even to the people that believe on his name. What happens to you then? You are born again. What, mean, what does that mean? A new life comes into you. Doesn't the Bible say very clearly, John chapter 3, in verse 3, it says, Jesus answered and said unto, the, unto him, Verily, verily, assuredly, certainly, without a shadow of doubt, tell, I tell you, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, and that means when you surrender your life to the Lord, he comes into your heart, you become born again. In fact, Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, uh, uses a particular language in talking about what takes place when you are born again, what takes place when this, your life is transformed and you have the beginning of the Christian life. It says in Galatians 4, 19, my little children, 
of whom I travel in birth again until Christ be formed in you. That means at the beginning, because it says, I'm traveling again. I'm persevering in prayer again. I'm interceding for you again until Christ be formed in you. He did it before and Christ was formed in them. He's doing it again. It became necessary so that once again, because they had backsliding, they had led the faith into which they were called, Christ will be formed in them. They will be born again. And when that beginning takes place in your life, you are born again. But even after being born again, there is a responsibility. And many people overlook this in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. It means that after you have experienced that new birth, then you are baptized in water by immersion in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And now you are released to live the life in Christ. It started. And the life you live now will not be like you were living before you came to know the Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, describes that life, the beginning of life in Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up, from the dead by the glory of the Father. Listen to this now. Even so, in that same way, we also should walk in newness of life. It tells us that now we are born again, now a new beginning, and we are to walk in newness of life, which means what I was, I am no more. What I used to do, I can do no more. The places I used to go, I can go there no more. And the promiscuous life, the licentious life, the dirty life, the immoral life that I used to live, I cannot live that life anymore because something happened. Christ came into me, I am in Christ, and that interpenetration, he in me, I in him, his word in me and I in the word, a spirit in me and I in the spirit, will work together so that we will, I will not be able to do what I was doing before. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man, any man in any church, in any denomination, in any generation, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Do you see that? Uh, uh, there, there is a difference. And there is a demarcation. There is a separation between the old life and the new life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. That means then uh, there is a change of life. There is a new life. Once we come into Christ, fornication is gone. Adultery is gone. Polygamy is gone. Worldliness is gone. All the things that linked you up, associated you with the world, whether it is tangible or social or whatever it is, everything is gone. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become. In fact, there is a thirst in you now. There is a hunger in you now. It's the thirst of the new life. It's the hunger of the new life. In First Peter chapter 2, Verse 2, as newborn babes, isn't that the way we began our physical life? You are born into this world. And now in our spiritual life, you are born into the kingdom. And you are newborn babes in Christ. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the world, that ye may grow thereby. That ye may grow thereby. Very important, that as you have come into the Lord, and you know that now you are a child of God, 
all things have passed away, the power of the gospel is not working in your life, then you will desire the sincere milk of the word of God. You love the word, you read the word, and you adapt and apply the word to your life. And the grace to live that new life is given unto you. In fact, uh, uh, the new life is so separated and so different from the old life that Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 tells us, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but the life and the life which I now live in, in, the, in the faith, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Then he said, who loved me and he gave himself for me. Look at that verse very well. Uh, Paul, you know, there are many people that would like to make Paul remain in uh, Romans chapter 7 all through life. The way they understand their scripture is that uh, Paul, the apostle, was always in Romans chapter 7. They do not remember Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? They do not remember that it says, He that is dead is freed from sin. Neither do they remember that Romans chapter 6. Likewise reckon ye yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto righteousness. And it says in that same Romans chapter 6, Having been made free from sin, then will become the servants of righteousness. They are always in chapter 7 of Romans. The things I, could, I want to do, I cannot do. And it's because of the sin that dwells in me. They never move on to chapter 8. There is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, because the law of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death, because what the law could not do, in that the, world, the flesh was weak. Now Christ has come into me, and it makes me to live a new life. That's what we're told. But you know, they remain there every time. I'm helpless, I'm weak, I'm still living in sin, but I'm born again, and the thing I want to do, I cannot do. Move on. It shouldn't be in chapter 7 all through your life. Let it come a time in your life when there is a demarcation between the new and the old. And then you will say, like Paul the Apostle said, I am crucified with Christ. And he says, nevertheless, I live. Then he said, yet not I. I'm not in Romans chapter 7 anymore. Yet not I. And it is no more sin that is dwelling in me, but it says, but Christ liveth in me. And then it says, the life which I now live. It says, I'm now in Christ, and Christ is now in me, and the life I'm now living, I do not live it in the power of the flesh, in the power of the natural man. I live it by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, and he gave himself for me. And that there is power to live a new life. That the things you are doing before, the way you are going before, you will not go that direction anymore. In Second Peter chapter 1, reading there from verse 3 and verse 4, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Stop there for a moment. What excuse do we have to keep on living in sin? What excuse do we have to keep on living in carnality when it says according as his divine power he has given unto us 
not some things, not many things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and to virtue, whereby in verse 4 are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, by these great and precious promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature. That means uh, you come into Christ and then he imparts into you the very nature that he had. And so you are able now to live in newness of life. And you are no more saying that, well, I'm still in the dungeon of sin. I'm still sw uh, swimming there and uh, swallowing a lot of things coming out of the world. You are born again. There's a new life, and there's a change, there's a transformation, and you are able to live the way you ought to live. But have you realized that verse I read to you in, in uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20? It says, I am crucified with Christ. It brings in the cross. If you are going to live like Christ, and if you are going to fulfill the mandate to be like Jesus, there is something that is going to come into your life, and that is the cross. I go to point number two then. Bearing the cross with Christ. Bearing the cross with Christ. Actually, although uh, I said the cross with Christ, uh, you, you have to understand, you bear the cross in Christ. While you are in, the, while you are in Christ, there is cross, there is a cross to bear. And while you are walking with Christ, there is a cross to bear. And I even want to say, you bear the cross for Christ. That is, if Christ were here today, and he lived the same life he lived at that time when he was here on earth. There are things the world will do to Christ, but Christ is not here. And you are the representative of Christ. When they want to see Christ, you are the one, the picture, the reflection of Christ that they see. What they would have done to him, they will do to you. Therefore, you are bearing the cross for Christ. Point number two then, bearing the cross with Christ. Actually, the Lord called us to a life that will be with him, a life that will live like him. In uh, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, reading from verse 28, from verse 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the beginning of the Christian life, you come to Christ, and then he gives you rest, there's peace in your soul. There is rest in your spirit. And the thing that aggravated you and confused you and tore you apart, all those things are taken away. The guilt and the burden of sin and the condemnation. Everything is taken away. There is rest now. But then it says, take my yoke upon you. When you come into Christ, it is not a life of a freedom to do evil. Freedom to live anyhow. Freedom to go anywhere you want to go. There is a yoke. There is a restriction. There is a constraint. There is a cross you are going to bear. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest to your soul. But then he assures us that my yoke is easy and my body is light. Uh, in Christ's earthly life, there is no way you can separate Christ from the cross, the cross from Christ. You know that he died for us on the cross, that he might save us as we follow Christ, and we seek to live the Christ-like life with you, cannot be separated from the cross. 
the Christian and the cross. The cross and the Christian. Please don't misunderstand. Uh, you, you know there are some individuals that feel that they want to follow Christ and they go to make a wooden cross very heavy and they carry it on their back and shoulder and they'll be going through the streets. Everybody will be looking at them and then they'll be saying, I'm carrying the cross because I'm a Christian and I'm following after Christ. They said, this is the climax of my Christian life. Since I became a Christian, I'd wanted to be like Christ and carry the cross. What's the cross? For us, the cross is not a wooden thing that he wants us to bear. The cross, see, for crucifixion. Please, turn the cassette over. and the other is for shame. You know, if you look at the
are for reproaches, or for opposition, as for suffering, and the other as for shame. You know, if you look at the life of Christ, from the time he was born until the time he went to the literal cross to die, what do you see there? You see the crucified life. You see the restriction. You see what the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you see what they did against him. Naturally, it's the cross. And when you look at the Christian today, I am crucified with Christ. Self crucified. All the things I would like to live and like to be the way I want, I cannot do that anymore. Liberty is gone. I cannot have the liberty that I used to have as an unbeliever. That is crucifixion and then reproaches. The reproaches of them that reproached him and spawned him upon me. That's what we call the cross. When they abuse you, when they insult you, when they reproach you, those reproaches that should have come on Christ, coming on you now as a Christian, that is the cross, the opposition. And you want to go this way in your place of work because you will not give bribe, because you will not do the way they want you to do it, and because you will not dress to match uh, the way they want you to dress, that is opposition. There is criticism, and it's not convenient for the flesh. That opposition is part of the cross, and it brings suffering. What we suffer, because we're Christians, what we suffer, because we're living like Christ. And the shame, sometimes, uh, they make you feel like uh, uh, it's like we're foolish. It's like we're stupid. It's like we don't know what to do, and they look at us, and sometimes they will show it in a, in a very clear, open manner, that you will, it's almost like uh, uh, the people they, uh, for whom the world were not worthy to live in the world. The way they talk about us, the way they jest about us, the way they make fun, the way they make caricature of us, and the things they say about that's the cross, the shame, the crucifixion. The reproaches, the opposition, the suffering, and the shame. But as the cross we are to bear, and it's a part of our privilege at this time that we're going to bear the cross. Have we not been told in Luke chapter 9? Luke chapter 9, reading there from verse 23, it says, And he said unto them all, without exception, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me, brothers and sisters. If we're Christians and we're going to live like Christ, there is no way we can dodge the cross. There is no way we can abandon the cross. There is no way the cross can be separated from our lives. The crucifixion, the reproaches, the opposition, the suffering, and the shame. In Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, from verse 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into, the, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. You see that now? We even come to recognize that the cross is not something to be ashamed of. The cross is not something for us to be crying about. The cross is not something for us to be regretting about. It says now that we understand we are bearing it with him. We are bearing it in him. We are bearing it for him on his behalf. We even glory in tribulation all knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. It's telling us that it will come. And that Paul the Apostle that uh, we're reading about you wrote, uh, that thing he got it. They gave it to him. In fact, they gave it to him more than you will ever get. Uh, look at what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
in Second Corinthians chapter 11, here it says, in a reading there from verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. It says, I shouldn't brag. I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't talk about myself because it's only fools that talk about myself. But for the moment, let me talk about myself and act like a fool. It says, I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. And then it says, of the Jews five times, receive thy forty stripes, save one, that is thirty-nine, meaning forty minus one, thrice was I beaten with us, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck in night, and a day have I been in the deep, in journeys of one, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. And then, what it says now, the next part, uh, it's more than every other thing put together. It says, in the real, among false brethren. You know, that's the persecution, that's the suffering, and he got more than the measure of almost anyone. But it's to be, it's to make us to be like Christ. And uh, sometimes, uh, it's not only that we have reproaches in the world, we have rebuke in the church too. And uh, some of those things, is part of what we go through. Uh, you, you see some uh, Christians, they say, they don't understand why they have all these things. They say, you know, everything I do, it's like there's criticism. Everything I do, there is reviling. Everything I do, and it doesn't matter. I try to be the nicest person that I can ever be. What do I get? to return oppression and then there is scourging and then there is slander it's the cross again uh, the criticism and the reviling and the oppression and the scourging and the slander is the cross that we're supposed to bear and we're bearing it with the lord but that cross what does it do it makes us to be conformed unto the lord in romans chapter 8 romans chapter 8 verses 28 and 29 romans 8 28, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. The criticisms, the contention, the opposition, the oppression, the slander, the suffering, the shame, the scourging, everything that we get in this world, if, when you analyze everything, when we get on the other shore, and then we're about to go in and about to enter through those pearly gates and then you look back at the water that went under the bridge you will understand that the criticisms and the contentions and the crucifixions and all the reproaches and the revilings and all the oppositions and the oppression and all the shame and the suffering and all the slander and the scourging you will know that they are the waters that the lord used to wash you and to cleanse you and to prepare you for that glory because it's the cross that actually does not work in you and makes it to walk slowly and make you to sing and make you to look ahead and make you for your mind to be divorced to be weaned or to be separated from this world looking for the coming of the Lord actually all those things that we go through they are not supposed to retard our progress they are not supposed to cut short our Christian life they are not supposed to do anything that will be damaging to our Christian life is to make us move 
looking forward in fact it says uh, they are good and you'll find that they are good or they work together for good to them that love the lord who are called according to his purpose for whom he did for known also he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren therefore cheer up and understand that although the cross is always there and it, it will always be there it is to make you a partaker of the holiness and the righteousness of the Lord. The cross, it may weaken the outward man. Yes, it does that many, many times. Uh, all those uh, cruel mockings and the scourging and the inconveniences and the things you go through in your community, in your office, and anywhere you go, it weakens the flesh. But then you know what it does? Well, the outward man decays and is weakened. And it appears that and you say, am I going to leave? My outward man is weakened. Then the inner man is strengthened. It does something for you on the inside. It makes you more and more and more. Like the Lord Jesus Christ in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, reading from verse 9, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence, respect, and honor. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits, and live for thee, verily for a few days, just in a rebuke us, after their own pleasure, but he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his Holiness. That means all those things we go through, they actually make us to be partakers of his holiness. And then will the beauty come out in your life. It's like it's the crushing that brings the fragrance. It is like it is the scourging that brings the beauty in the life of the Christian. That brings me to point number three. The beauty of Christ's likeness. You understand that for the Christian physical beauty is vain. Actually, Lucifer was perfect in beauty, but iniquity was eventually found in him. In fact, his heart was lifted up because of his beauty and was cast out of the presence of the Lord. When we talk about beauty, we're not talking about the way the world, the people see it. Actually, the Bible tells us that the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Uh, there is nothing as beautiful as Christ's likeness in God's sight. When you become like Christ, and God looks at you, and he looks at your attitude, and he looks at your motive, and he looks at your character, and he looks at your actions, and he looks at your utterances, and he looks at the works of your hand, everything that you do, and you are more and more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there is nothing as beautiful in the sight of the Lord. Uh, look at the attitude of God the Father unto the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17 and low. A voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The life of Christ was the most beautiful thing in the sight of the Father uh, while Jesus was here on earth. Do you know the reason why? In John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, reading there in verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. His point of reference every time he that sent me. It's a point of reference, whatever I wanted to do, 
whatever I wanted to say, whatever action he wanted to bring forth, whatever relationship he wanted to cultivate or maintain, he will think about him that had sent him. And then he said, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. It made Christ and Christ's likeness beautiful and wonderful in the sight of the Lord. In John chapter 8, verse 29, it says, And he that sent me, you see that? That's always the point of reference for the Lord Jesus Christ. He that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Uh, do you examine your life like that? Do you examine your actions like that? Do you examine your utterances like that? I'm not here to do my will. I'm not here to impose on anyone what I want, what must be done. I came here to do the will of him that sent me. And then he said, I always do those things morning, day, and night. During the week and on the Lord's day. Anywhere I find myself, and whatever step I'm going to take, I want to find out if I do that, if I say that, if I wear that, if I drink that, if I go there, if I partake in that thing, is that going to be the will of him that sent me? Because my motive, my uh, ultimate purpose of life is to do that which pleases him. In Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, talking about Christ. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. It pleased Almighty God. The way Jesus Christ lived. And what is, that's what the Lord is calling you to. That's what the Lord is calling me to. That as Christ did it. So you and I will do it. Because if by grace, if by Christ's indwelling power, we are able to live the Christ-like life, then God will be well pleased in us. And he will be well pleased with us. In the Old Testament, in Psalm 90. In Psalm 90, verse 17. Psalm 90, verse 17. Here is the word of God. That says, let the beauty of God, the beauty of our God, be upon us. How is that prayer going to be answered? When Christ in his entirety, his inner life, his external outward life, his relational life, and his divine life, his life with the Father. When all that is transferred into our own lives, and then as has shown us, that perfect example will live like he lived, or like he will be living now, if he were here, then the beauty of the Lord our God will be upon us. Uh, let me give you one verse that shows uh, the kind of life that he lived. In uh, as, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, summarizes it. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, it says, For such an high priest became us, befeeds us, who is, number one, holy, two, harmless, three, undefiled, four, separate from sinners, five, made higher than the heavens. That's a description of the life of Christ. And if you want the beauty of the Lord to be reflected from you, and you want the life of the Lord Jesus Christ 
to be reflected through you. Then it, it means that as he was holy and harmless, undefiled, and then separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, so you will be. Pick them up one by one. It says there in verse 26, for such an high priest became befits us. Who is, what's the first word there? Holy. And aren't we called to live the holy life? Look at it, First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, reading there from verse 14. As obedient children, not rebellious children. As obedient children, not disobedient children. As obedient children, not questioning yourselves according to the former laws in your ignorance. But as he which has called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We are to be like Christ in holiness. He was holy. Then in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, For such an high priest became us. Who is holy? What's the next word? Hamless. We are also to be hamless in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, reading there from verse 15. That ye, ye Christians, ye believers that have Christ living in you, that ye may be blameless and harmless. You will not hurt anyone. You will not harm anyone. It will not be in your plan. It will not be in your thoughts. It will not be in your action. You hurt neither sinner nor sage. It says that ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Come back to Hebrews chapter 7 verse 26. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, was the next word, undefiled. He wants us to be undefiled. He doesn't want the pollutions of this world to attach themselves on earth in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verses 1, 2, and 3. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They are born again. The servant is born of God, does not commit sin. For the seed, the nature of God remains in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. It says there, they do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. We are back in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners separate from sinners that was the life of christ he didn't do what they were doing he separated himself from them and you think that the same thing the lord is telling us he wants us to so reflect his glory and to reflect his beauty and to be like him in second corinthians chapter 6 verses 17 and 18 wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate says the lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come back to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. For such, and I, priest, became us, who is holy, 
harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Uh, you are so much uh, separated uh, from the sinners, not actually. It says Christ was made higher than the heavens. That does not relate to us in um, Hebrews, uh, sorry, in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, reading there in verse 6, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, made higher than the heavens. It says there is identification with Christ. You are identified with him to the point that you are heavenly minded and then your desires and your motives and everything, it originates in heaven. Then it's in you here. And as Christ is over there, you are living and heaven the light while you are here. Because actually, spiritually, you are seated with him in heavenly places. And then you are to reflect the light by the power that he manifests. As uh, you look at that and you say, yes, that's what I want. I want to be like him or to be like Jesus or to be like him. It says, all that I desire, all that I want, all that I ask is to be like him. All through my journey in this life, from earth to glory, all that I want, all that I ask is to be like him. If that is your desire, the passion of your soul, you'll be looking at Christ every time and you'll be saying every morning to the Lord, reflect that life in me. What I say today, what I do today, where I go today, the people I interact with today, let it be the life of Christ in me. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. As you are you yourself to be like him, and you yield yourself to the Spirit of God today, the Lord is able to do it. I said the Lord is able to do it. You want to be like Christ? That should be our desire. That should be our prayer. And can he do it? I said, can he do it? Listen to the songwriter. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul. And you will see it was best for him to have his way with thee. Why don't you rise up and say, Lord, I know you have the power. You can make me what I ought to be. I know the blood can cleanse my heart and make me free. I know that your love can so fill my soul and make me see that it's best for me to allow you to have your way with me. Have your way, Lord, not as I will, but as you want. Take over my life. If you have not been born again, tell him to end time. Tell him to end time. Tell him to end time and to come and make such a change, such a transformation in your life. It's not it for others. He can do it for you. His blood can cleanse you, make you free. His love can so fill you, make you see. It's best that you allow him that you have his way with you.
don't leave this place until you are born again. Until he imparts Christ's righteousness into you. And then the life of Christ will be reflected through you. I believe you have been blessed. Don't let this message die. Listen to it again and pass it to others. You can get more from God at the Deeper Life Bible Church. I hope you got it. Deeper Life Bible Church. Blah, blah, blah. Lagos, Nigeria. Blessed are your ears for hearing these things. We'll meet in heaven if you do burn.